Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome. And we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Open House Podcast. Today is a home truth episode, and it's going to be a solo episode with me before Dr. Terry is going to jump in with some commentary at the end. I wanted to get us both on this podcast, but scheduling didn't work. So she's going to jump in with the all-important therapist viewpoint on this topic at the end of the episode. But until then, I'm just going to jam on all of the things that I've been thinking about over the last few days in relation to this Jonah Hill situation. Now, I almost didn't want to talk about this because the more you look into it, the messier and the messier it gets. And I am not a big fan or supportive in any way in people having their dirty laundry like splashed all over the internet, particularly when one could argue that the girlfriend or ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady is actually just feeling really angry that her ex moved on, met someone else who wanted the same thing as him, and then they welcomed their first baby together and are allegedly engaged. But for me, that feels like a very reductive argument. And I think there is another side of this, which is that one could also say that (laughs) Jonah Hill is a misogynistic narcissist who emotionally abused her during their relationship. And the truth is, both of those things can be true. So Jonah Hill may have had issues and insecurities in the relationship. And at the same time, Sarah Brady now might be upset. So we have no idea about the truth. And I am not here to try and identify what is truth and what isn't truth. I'm not into cancel culture. Hopefully by now you will know that this entire podcast is based on love, 
compassion, respect, like no, we always say no shame, no judgment. So this episode is not to drill into the he did this, she did that. It's really to use it as a vehicle to say, okay, these things happen. What do we need to be aware of? We need to be aware that people can use boundaries as a control mechanism. And if that's the one thing that you take away from today is that someone in a relationship with you may use boundaries as a manipulation tactic, then I've done my job. We're out here, we're healing together, we're raising awareness of these things because I think that is one of the challenges with emotional abuse. And I think it is important for us to like address this insidious nature, which is that sometimes abuse actually begins with these tiny, tiny actions, which in the beginning kind of get swept under the rug or they're seemingly innocuous. They kind of go unnoticed. And one such example is the act of exerting control over someone else's social media presence, such as telling them what they can or cannot post on Instagram. And we're going to go into this and more, but these things can appear really, really trivial at first. And it's really crucial to be aware of these things and to recognize that abuse actually starts often with these signs and subtle manipulations and restrictions that gradually escalate over time. By becoming aware of these early warning signs, we can better understand the dynamics of abuse, emotional, physical, all different kinds of abuse, and actually work towards being aware so we don't end up in unsafe environments. Because the thing about abusive relationships, and I am talking as someone who has been in one, is that I always say to people, do you think that someone goes on a first date with someone and the person says, put your phone away, oh, you have Instagram, that's so embarrassing, or oh, why did you turn up to the date wearing that skirt or that dress? It's too short, your thighs look big, other men are looking at you. That is, of course, not what happens. Otherwise, people would come home from a first date and be like, wow, he, she was a total fucking asshole. That is not how abuse happens. There are a ton of different stages and we've gone through these in many, many other episodes talking about how often abuse starts with love bombing before going through the cycle of then moving into devaluation. So once the love bombing stage deteriorates, the devaluation stage begins and this is the exact opposite of love bombing. So during this stage, this is when like love and attention is taken away from you and the person can become aggressive or critical. This is when they can start to tell you what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. And they can gaslight you. They can even start to lie and cheat and ghost. And at this point, you're super confused because you're wondering what happened to the loving, interested person that you fell in love with. And at that point, you're then trying to scramble to fix the relationship, to do whatever you can to get things back to how they were before in the honeymoon stage or in the love bombing stage. At this point, you are already into the cycles of emotional abuse. And these cycles will just continue and continue and continue with you changing who you are to try and make the other person happy. And for me, that's actually one of the saddest things that I see when I talk to people in this space is that they genuinely believe that everything in the relationship is their fault. They genuinely believe that if they hadn't done that, or if they can just do that, or if they could just take back that, then they would take back the hurt of the other person that they've caused and everything would be okay again and they could just be happy. But the truth is, it is thing after thing after thing. And in every argument, 
the abuser will bring up something else that that person has done to upset them. It is never ending. And that is why people get stuck in these cycles of just trying to get back to where they were, trying to make it up to the person that they're with, trying to make them feel loved again, trying to just have a calm and happy relationship. But the truth is, an abuser will never be happy with that because they will be manipulating and controlling something else because there will always be something else in life that will make you feel uncomfortable. So some people stay in those cycles for a really, really long time. And that makes me so sad because that is not a happy or a healthy relationship. But people think that it is. People think that that is just how love is and it's messy and it's confusing. It is not. That is manipulation coercion and even abuse. And for the people that don't just stay stuck in that cycle, these cycles can then also continue into discarding and then hoovering, which is that once they've discarded you and you are left like alone and shocked as to how someone who loved you so much could leave you like that, they then can come back and they can check in on you. They can pick you up again and the whole cycle can start again and you can get sucked back in. And I think that this is one of the biggest things that's overlooked about particularly emotional abuse, but also physical abuse too, is that it doesn't just start on date one. It starts with small little signs here and there as to what is going to come in the future. And if I have one job in life, it is that one woman, a thousand women, a thousand men, that someone might listen to this and they might be able to avoid some kind of abuse in their next relationship because they were aware of the warning signs. Now, With all of that said, let's get into the situation and what actually has happened. And then I'm going to give you my thoughts on it. Okay, so I'm sure you're already familiar with who Jonah Hill is. He broke up with his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, I think back in 2021. Not sure on the dates. You guys know me. I'm really bad with dates. Anyway, he has since moved on. He has a new baby. Allegedly, he's engaged to a new woman. And his ex-girlfriend, Sarah Brady, is basically dragging him publicly on her Instagram account. She's not holding anything back. She is posting text messages from him and calling him a misogynistic narcissist. Now, she's thrown up a ton of text messages. And again, we don't know if they're true, if they're not. But if they're to be believed, what we have learned is that he basically has been concerned and upset about her and the way that she shows up in the relationship. And he has set a number of boundaries. But actually what is coming out in the discussion around this is that what Jonah was setting actually weren't boundaries at all. They were control mechanisms. Now I'm going to read you some of the text messages just so you have an understanding of the kind of things that he was texting her. So let's first of all remember that she's a professional surfer. That is how she makes her money from surfing competitions, from brand deals, and that he knew that when he found her on Instagram. So he slid into her DMs initially when she was surfing with a surfing picture. Okay. So later on in the relationship, he says, plain and simple, If you need surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, to have friendships with women who are in unstable places and from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful, I am not the right partner for you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. 
These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. Okay, so this is where the misuse of the term boundaries start, but that is not the only things that have been leaked. There are so much more and it just it just gets messier and messier the deeper that you go into it. And there's messages of him saying, I'm literally the best boyfriend on earth. I love how your therapist thinks that I suck. And other messages saying, just take some accountability and operate with respect. It's that simple. I'm tired of your attitude. Also, there's been messages from her released where he basically is saying, you have to take this down. You have to take this down. And one of the saddest ones that I saw is when she said, three removed, not the video yet. It's my best surfing video. Would you feel better if the cover frame was different? Are there specific ones that bother you? I mean, that makes me literally so sad that he is making her remove her best surfing video. Removing anything is manipulative and controlling, but this is just like to an extreme. And he replies saying, yes, one that your ass isn't in a thong. And she says, it's not a thong, but okay. Okay. So I could go into that and into that and into that. I'm not going to, but what I am going to say is that on a number of occasions, he said, these are my boundaries. And the truth is here is that he has misused the concept of boundaries. So he is masking controlling behavior under a positive concept. And he's using therapy speak saying, I'm healthy. He's weaponizing that therapy talk saying, I'm healthy. These are my healthy boundaries. You can respect them and you can stay which means changing herself, changing her identity, changing her behavior, or it means you can respect these boundaries and you can leave. Now there's a ton of backlash about this on the internet and I'm sure I'm going to get backlash for doing this episode because people are saying it's healthy behavior. You know, I actually think the comments on this video are terrifying because people are saying, oh, he's just simply setting healthy boundaries. He knows what works for him. He knows what doesn't. He's explaining it to her. And that for me is not only concerning because it's like, oh my God, how many people out there are being controlled in their relationships thinking that it's healthy boundaries that the other person is setting? But the truth is to go deeper into this, we need to understand what is a boundary. So I took this from Therapy Jeff because I felt like this was the perfect explanation. And he said, a boundary is a healthy limit that a person sets for themselves to protect their well-being and integrity. It identifies a reasonable and safe permissible way for others to behave towards them and how they will respond if someone passes these limits. And some could say here, yes, well, he is setting boundaries that protect his emotional well-being. But the truth is he is doing that by dictating what behaviors and what friendships and what personal identity she is allowed to have. Under the guise of healthy boundaries, he is instructing her on what she can do, who she can be friends with, what she can wear, how she can show up online, how she can make money. And let's remember, apparently he did this after moving her into his house and then he is trying to take away her income stream because as a surfer, we all know that brand deals, that's really the only way that you are going to make your money. He's telling her what she can and can't do, but under the guise of saying, oh, this is my boundary, take it or leave it. The truth is, this is not a boundary. This is control. It is a lack of respect for her autonomy and for her individuality. It's not him just saying, this is what works for me and why. It's him actively telling her what she can and can't do to the point that he is telling her who she can hang out with, which photos she has to take down, and that she's not allowed to be friends with people from her wild past or anyone 
who is vaguely unstable in any way, which is literally saying that he feels like she can be influenced by anyone around her and that these unstable wild people are going to make her become wild and unstable, which basically rocks him and his safety to the core. There is no trust there. There is no trust in her choosing her friends. There is no trust in her being an individual person with her own autonomy that has control over her own behavior, brain, and body. It's fucked. And if you go into the into the depths of this as well, you can also see that their joint couples therapist made her agree that if a guy ever came up to her while surfing, she would say, I have a boyfriend and would leave instantly. That is total control. There is no level of trust in this relationship. It is him controlling the situation to benefit his emotional well-being. That is not a boundary. A boundary would be something like, if someone asks you out on a date, I would appreciate that you tell them that you have a boyfriend and then tell me that that happened. I think that's pretty reasonable, no? A healthy boundary is not saying that you have to leave instantly the moment that any other man is even in the vicinity. Because the double standards on this are also fucking crazy. We obviously haven't seen her release texts to this regard, but I highly doubt she's saying to him, okay, well, you must never speak to another woman. When you're on the set of a movie, you must never speak to another woman. You must tell everyone that you have a girlfriend. I just don't feel that this is how this situation is panning out. And again, in the text messages that have been released, she's actually talking to him about how he's allowed to go to work and he asked her if it's okay that he kisses women that he calls quote unquote intelligent, beautiful, successful women. How is that a fair double standard in that relationship? That the moment she comes into contact with a man, she has to leave when she is in her place of work. But in his place of work, he's allowed to make out with them because it's work. And honestly, what I see here is that Sarah was not doing anything to Jonah with her friendships. And actually, maybe that's not true. We obviously do not know what is going on in the situation. There is an argument that there could have been a number of things that happened to give him trust issues in the relationship. But from all of the messages that he's sent, he has never referred to anything that she's ever done as a reason that this situation is unfolding. It feels that this is more about Jonah's own insecurities and the the reaction stems from his desire to control in order to reduce how uncomfortable her and her actions make him feel. Everything is focused on him, him, him and him. Now, the irony here is why would you date a surfer model and then later complain about her surfing and modeling? He knew about who she was and her identity when he slid into her DMs. There is a screenshot that she also posted of him responding with a heart eyes emoji to one of her pictures when he was first trying to date her. So he was 100% right. So he loved those pictures initially. He knew exactly what her career was and the content that she created. But later he's trying to shame her for posting those pictures under the guise of not respecting him or respecting their partnership. And I think this is something that is just fundamentally challenging about the era that we live in today is that there's still almost this concept of, you know, the Madonna and the whore complex, which ties back to Sigmund Freud. And he basically developed this concept where he indicates the ways that men view women. And the theory basically says that men see women as either a whore or an innocent angel. And men with this complex, they want to love the innocent angel but they want to fuck the whore. 
And I think what's even more fascinating when you go into this is that he has also said to her, I have one goal, which is that I want to be a family man and I want to have children and a family and babies and all of these things. If you are not the woman for that, then please just let me know. And it's like he has this one goal and he's looking for this certain type of woman. And then the second that she steps outside of that idealized version of what she should be, you know, the second that she is in a swimsuit or has some element of butt cheek showing, he's trying to control her back into the box of the idealized version of the future mother of his children. And I think this is where we get this division between good girls and bad girls, which is like this prehistoric concept where today, now with this like ongoing like remnants of patriarchy and toxic masculinity, is this belief that like the girl who enjoys sex can't be a caring and nurturing parent. And similarly, the girlfriend or the wife that you love, she is still a sexual being. He is still a sexual being. The fact that you're in a relationship or you put a ring on someone's finger doesn't mean that they immediately do not become an attractive figure to other people. So I think it's really interesting to also understand the potential elements of control when you look at this through the lens of this man wants a wife, not just a girlfriend. There are so many other things that we could get into, into like his behavior and things he said and the red flags. But I don't want to just like slate him continuously because like I've said, we do not know the truth behind this story. He has not made a statement. Maybe he never will. But what I also want to talk about is how this situation could have panned out differently. What could he have done instead? Now, the first thing is he seems to be self-aware around the things that damage his emotional well-being, right? Now, I would hope, considering that he released the beautiful Stutz documentary, which it feels like such a shame that he's almost now like weaponizing this therapy speak after he just did such a good job for therapists and the therapy world. But if he knew those boundaries, if he knew those things were causing him pain, which probably would have been even healthier, is that he could just not have been in a relationship while he's working on these wounds. Because the propensity and the risk for control, manipulation and emotional abuse in these situations is high if you look at the nature of the wounds that he has, like things like jealousy, things like insecurity around trust and loyalty and skin being on show as if we live in the 1800s. And the third option is that he could have got into that relationship, but he could have been self-reflective throughout. So he could have said, I love you, but I'm finding a couple of things challenging. I love these things about you. And these were things that attracted you to me in the first place. But What I'm finding as we're deepening our intimacy is that it's triggering some wounds within me that I wasn't aware of when we first started dating. I'm finding this really challenging. And then he would have two options at this point. He could say, look, I thought I could do this, but I can't. And if I continue down this road, I'm going to end up being an unhealthy partner. I never want to restrict you, your brilliance, your identity. You do not deserve that. And that is not healthy love and partnership. So I'm going to have to leave this relationship right now. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The flip side is that he basically could have given her the opportunity to stick with him 
while he went on this journey, whilst he went into therapy, whilst he continued to look into those wounds. Because what Dr. Terry and I have talked about many, many times is that we can't just expect to heal on our own in isolation. That is not what happens. The ultimate and true healing happens in relationships because that is when our wounds are poked, just like Jonah's have. And I think what's really sad is his inability to have these discussions. Obviously, we have no idea if he actually had them, but judging by the text messages, what's really sad is that these discussions didn't look like they were happening. And from the references to what the therapist is telling her to do and what their couple's therapist was telling them to do, it feels like it wasn't a healthy, explorative relationship that they were in. It feels like somehow the therapist is on his side And instead of him focusing inwards on his own wounds, the entire therapy experience is focusing on really what she can do to make him feel more safe and less triggered. That, my friends, is the start of emotional abuse. And like I said, these things start small. And I want to share a real life story here. So I've not to my memory had a man tell me what I should or should post on social media I can remember from my abusive relationship that I do think he probably made like nods to that, but I can't remember the specifics. So I'm not going to use my own personal situation here as an example. But one of my very best friends, she started dating this guy and it started so, so small. The little comments here or there. He would tell her not to post on social media. He would say, you don't need to do that now you're with me. Why do you need to share your life? You should be sharing your life with me. If she ever posted a picture of herself or in a bikini, and I mean, she lives in California, so it's not totally unusual. He would be like, why are you doing that? Like, who are you doing that for? And then it would escalate, but it would still be really, really small. He would tell her that it wasn't cool that she would be talking to guy friends. You know, tiny comments here and there that slowly, slowly, slowly started to build until She just really disconnected herself from the way that she used to be or the way that she was with me. Like I remember when she was in this relationship, we spoke less than we've ever, ever spoken. And I know that her family felt the same way. We all felt like something was going on, but we weren't quite sure on what exactly that was. And then a year later, when everything came crashing down, we basically found out that this man was a full-blown sociopath and he'd curated his whole life to be the man that she wanted him to be. Like literally, if she said on a date, like, oh, I'm obsessed with ceviche. This is so random. She never said that. Then he would literally be like, oh my God, me too. I have a ceviche making set at my house. Why don't you come around like on the weekend and we can make ceviche? He would then go and buy the ceviche making kit. So then she would be like, oh my God, this man is my perfect man because everything I say he has or he does. And I think my point of this story is that it started with these tiny, tiny, tiny control mechanisms. And this is what happens. These tiny control mechanisms telling you what to post, telling you who to be, telling you who not to be, instead of loving you for the fucking incredible person that you are, is how abusive relationships start. And once they start, boy, oh boy, we all know that that escalation period over weeks, months, years, and even decades can become something that can grip your entire life. And I think the problem in these more abusive relationships is that you are always the problem. If you are in a relationship where you are always the problem, you are in an abusive or toxic relationship. 
take Jonah Hill. He told her, you're right. We can't do surf social things or develop trust until you consider me and make decisions that give regard to me and our relationship. I've been as vulnerable as possible and I'm telling you, I am needing you to step up to the plate, which you can. I'm sure of it. That is so fucking patronizing. It is painful. You know, the him playing the victim. I've been as vulnerable as possible and I'm telling you, I need you to step up to the plate. Read between the lines. You are the problem in this situation, which you can, I'm sure of it. Him coming to this conversation from a place of superiority, a place of entitlement, him being above her. The concept of stepping up to the plate literally implies that he is up on the plate and she is not. So says, I respect your love of surfing, but I respect myself as well. The truth is he doesn't respect her love of surfing because in a truly happy, healthy, non-abusive relationship, your partner wants you to fucking flourish. They want you to do the thing that makes you happiest. They want you to be happy every second of every day. They don't demean you. They don't undermine you. You know, she is a model. And he texted her saying, oh, and modeling, which is the last profession I would ever want to be with as a partner. And she said, well, maybe you should have asked me more about what I do for work before you decided to date me then. A little late now. And he responded, keep taking me for granted. Go model. It's a fulfilling life. You'll love it. Real depth and substance and sustainability for relationships. But actually, I'm done with this conversation. So as you can see, he's just controlling the conversation constantly. He's being superior. He's acting like he's entitled. He's putting her down. He's deciding when the conversation starts and stops. They are not sitting down and saying, okay, this makes me feel uncomfortable. What can we do about this together? And as I come to wrap up this episode, I basically want to just reaffirm to you guys the difference between a healthy boundary and controlling behavior. I think this is so important and something that I was never taught. So a healthy boundary is an action or a limit that we're willing to take or set to keep ourselves safe and healthy. Like I need some time on my own from the group to regroup and rest. It's based on respect for yourself. It's based on safety for yourself and it's based on autonomy and your own identification. It's about you, it empowers individual choice, and it allows for mutual growth of both you and another in a relationship because you both have the best interest of yourself and the other at heart and you both want to grow together. Controlling behavior, maybe disguised as a boundary, is an action that's imposed on others about what they can or can't do or what they should do. So I don't want you spending time with those people you should go to the gym more. You shouldn't wear this. You should wear this. And this is based on power, control, and manipulation. It is not based on respect, safety, and autonomy. And instead of accepting personal responsibility and expressing that need in a healthy way, like with a healthy boundary, with controlling behavior, you place the responsibility on the other person to restrict or change their behavior. Like, if you wear that, I might break up with you. If you do that, I'm not going to be happy. So it's very, very manipulative. And this can either be low-key manipulative or it can be straight up threatening. I.e., if you do that, I will do this. Or if you loved me, you would delete those images from Instagram. And the thing with controlling behavior is that it reduces your autonomy and it destabilizes the whole relationship rather than allowing for mutual growth. So before I hand over to Terry, who obviously is the expert on all of these things, I just want to remind you that controlling behavior is not a healthy boundary. 
and using language from therapy to control someone else or to manipulate someone else or to intimidate someone else is also not okay. We have to stop justifying abuse and dangerous behavior as saying, oh, good for him, good for her. He or she knows what they want. Because the truth is, so many of us have done this before. And I have done this before as well. I have been unhealthy in past relationships and I would be jealous of my ex-boyfriend's best friend. And I would be like, he's not, he doesn't have your best interest in heart. Like, why do you spend so much time with him? The truth is, I didn't like the friend and I felt threatened by the friend because he was like famous and like had loads of girls around him. That wasn't me setting a healthy boundary. That wasn't me saying, hey, I love you. This guy makes me feel uncomfortable because I see him as a threat to our relationship. And I see the environment that he lives and works in as also being a threat to our relationship. I'd love to just discuss about how you could provide me with some safety when you're in these situations. It wasn't that. I tried to control him by basically restricting his behavior and telling him, you shouldn't see this guy. Like He's not good for you and you shouldn't be best friends with someone that's not good for you. And I can take full responsibility for that. Now I've gone to therapy. Because at the time, I didn't know what those uncomfortable feelings were that were inside of me. I just knew that I didn't want my boyfriend around that guy. So I'm now going to pass over to Dr. Terry. She's going to jump on, do a little solo episode on whether I'm on the right track, whether I'm on the wrong track, whether she thinks that this is verging on emotional abuse, what she thinks of the whole situation and more. Other than that, I love you guys. I hope you found this helpful. I hope you didn't find it too triggering. And if you did, I actually don't care because if you think that his behavior was a healthy boundary, you needed to listen to this more than anyone. If you are in a situation that you think might be abusive, please, please, please reach out to a therapist, to a crisis network, to a charity to help excavate yourself from the situation. There is hope on the other side. There are people and charities out there that can help you. We have a surviving toxic love in our community group, The House. Please know you are not alone. And if you are in a relationship where these red flags are starting to drop, please, please, please take action. And finally, episode 24, How to Leave Your Psychopath with Maddie Anhol is a step-by-step guide on how to leave a situation like this if you are already in it. Most of all, I love you guys and let's hand over to Dr. Terry. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Terry. I'm here solo today, adding on to Louisa's solo episode on the Jonah Hill relationship. So I've listened to what Louise had to say, and I just have to say I agree with everything she said. As usual, she's beautifully laid out all the important points. And particularly, I think she did a great job talking about abusive relationships, what control can look like, and how abusers slowly want to take over their victim's autonomy. The thing that I want to focus on when talking about the Jonah Hill relationship is this idea of respect. One of the things that I was thinking about when all this first came out was that it is a little confusing. There is sometimes this gray area between control and boundaries. And for people who haven't studied this, who haven't experienced this sort of thing, it can be very confusing. And the reason it can be confusing is because in reality, a boundary may actually sound something like this. For instance, if this behavior continues, I will have to leave. Or it might sound something like, I'm not comfortable with you doing that and I don't want to be in a relationship where that is present. Those are actually ways to express a boundary. However, 
here's the thing that was missing in the Jonah Hill texts. And that is that the other person also gets a chance to assert their boundaries. They can respond with things like, that's not something I'm willing to give up, or that's not something I'm willing to change, or I understand your feelings, but I'm not comfortable giving that up. And here's the thing. If either party is punished or shamed for setting and expressing boundaries or saying no, that is toxic and abusive. So let me be more clear about this. If one person says, I'm not comfortable with this, and the other person reflects on it and says, well, I'm not comfortable changing that, giving that up, or that's not something I want to change. If that second person is shamed for saying, no, I'm not going to give that up or change that, and this is just them asserting their own boundary, that is not okay. And when we are wanting to please our partner, we often don't consider our own boundaries or feelings. We just want to do what makes our partners comfortable. And this is dangerous because in these cases, it leads us to abandon ourselves. So in the relationship with Jonah, I don't know if Sarah had tried to assert boundaries earlier on in the relationship and how those were received. The problem with Jonah providing this list of changes for her behavior and calling them boundaries was that he didn't have respect for her feelings and boundaries and seemed to feel entitled to having her do what he said. This was evident in the tone of the text he shared. There was contempt, disdain, condensation. He made her feel that if she didn't obey or agree, she was wrong. And that is not okay. We don't get to control someone else's behavior and any attempt to do so is unhealthy and toxic. And when Sarah did set a boundary in one of the texts by saying something like, maybe you should have asked me more about what I do before you started dating me, Jonah reacted with anger, shaming, and belittling words. He did not respect her or free will, and his tone told that story as well as his words because he mocked the modeling profession, which is something she's a part of. Now, I don't want people to get confused, and I don't want them to think they can't express their limits in relationships. We absolutely can. And if there is truly something you are not comfortable with or feel safe with in your relationship, it's important that you talk about it with your partner. And it may eventually be something you decide you can't tolerate. If your partner doesn't see the behavior or issue as something they want to change, you don't get to stay and call them a bad person, shame them, or try to control their behavior. You have to leave. A healthy relationship includes respect and self-reflection and ownership on both sides. Louise gave some great examples of how Jonah could have approached his insecurities with Sarah. Ultimately, The problem was that he seemed to believe that it was Sarah's job to make sure he never felt insecure, and therefore he felt he was entitled to limit her behavior. And this is bad boundaries. This is control. Your partner is not responsible for your feelings. They should, of course, seek to understand your feelings, have empathy for your feelings, but ultimately, we all need to do our own work to feel safe within ourselves. 
And if you're in a relationship with a partner that doesn't make you feel safe, you don't get to demean them. You probably just need to leave. Here's the thing about abusers who feel entitled to tell their partners what they can and cannot do. They will never take accountability for anything in the relationship. When they screw up, it's not their fault. When they do something wrong, they're not going to admit it. And like Louise said, you will always be identified as the problem. And this is dangerous because if we stay long enough in a relationship like this, our self-trust will start to deteriorate and it will be replaced with self-doubt. And when we don't trust ourselves and our own judgment anymore, we are in a very dangerous and vulnerable place. Like Louise said, if you're in a relationship where you're made to feel that everything is your fault, you are in an abusive relationship. Abusers will also groom their victims from the very beginning. So if you aren't good about setting your own boundaries early on, this will signal to them that they can do whatever they want and you will stick around and that you want to please them and you will abandon yourself to do so. And this is why doing the inner work and having an honoring, supportive, and trusting relationship with yourself is so important. If you don't have these things, you will easily hand over your power to someone else, be focused on how to please them, and you will be vulnerable to abusive relationships. So in my professional opinion, based on the information available in the Jonah Hill texts and social media information, and of course, we know that we don't have all the information, What we do have are text messages that show a pattern, a very unhealthy dynamic in Jonah and Sarah's relationship. Jonah's attempts to shame and demean Sarah if she didn't follow his rules, or as he called them, boundaries, was very unhealthy and would likely have escalated if Sarah had stayed. I'm really glad that Sarah is sharing her truth, and I'm glad she got out of a relationship where she was clearly not being treated with respect. You all deserve relationships that respect and celebrate your autonomy and being all of who you are. And if you struggle with boundaries in any way, either trying to use them to control your partner's behavior or having difficulty setting boundaries that honor you, the good news is you can start to do that work today. Thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of this episode. I know that you did. And we do these episodes for you. We want you all to be in reciprocal, joyful, happy, peaceful, fulfilling relationships. And it starts with you doing the inner work and understanding what these red flags really are. I love you all.